Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. What's up, guys? My name is Travis Karczewski, and as always, we are presented by D's Home Cuts. I'm your host today. Today is Thursday, June 13th. As always, we are presented by D's Home Cuts. Like I said, huge show for you today. The St. Louis Blues are NHL Stanley Cup champions uh, after a straight-up ass-kicking last night. 4-1 victory, but we don't even count that last goal uh, because it was kind of a shitty last goal last couple minutes. No hope for the Bruins. They just got their ass kicked. Um, and I actually I watched the entire game, which is like, I think that's the first uh entire full-length hockey game I've watched in a long time uh, and I'm trying to get more into it but it was a great game it was so cool to see St. Louis ho hoist that Stanley Cup for the first time in franchise history um, you know I wanted to get a hockey guy on today to really break this down but I just couldn't there wasn't the time I have to work later today but um, my analyst of the game like I said was just a straight-up ass-kicking I mean it was 2-0 after the first period and then I think they scored the last two in the third period. Uh, but at the end of the day, you don't need to be a hockey fan to celebrate this victory. You don't need to be a St. Louis fan to celebrate. You don't need to know anything about hockey to celebrate this victory. Because all around the world, everyone rejoices by the fact that no more Boston championships for the rest of the year, hopefully. Um, unless the Red Sox can put it together. But that's the goal. Um, just another Boston team down, uh, and it just adds to that win-loss record in the right column, which is the loss column for Boston uh, and their fans. Because, to be honest, we all hate Boston fans. I think we can all agree on that. And it was really cool to see uh, St. Louis, who, you know, I'm not a huge fan of St. Louis, I don't, I'm not a big Cardinals fan. You know, I don't really know much about the Blues. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was still a cool win. I didn't realize, I know we had a couple hockey guys on. They might have talked about it. Um, that St. Louis was in last place a couple months ago. And then they, you know, started this rookie goalie who ended up starting Game 7 last night and the rest of the whole playoffs. And he played extremely well. And just the entire, you know, atmosphere of that game, it just seems like Boston came out a little flat. Um, and like I said, I don't know much about hockey. I couldn't give you any analysis, some deep analysis, stuff like that. But it seemed like Boston sort of came out flat. And it seemed like the fans weren't as into it as, you know, um, Boston fans usually are. You know, It was like they, the Blues scored, you know, two goals right off the bat. And it just took the air out of the arena. Because, like, the second period, nothing really went on. It was kind of dead. And then the third period... The Blues just sort of put it away, and it took the Bruins a while. I mean, I'm glad they didn't get uh, skunked out of Game 7. That would have been embarrassing, but they did get one goal at the end there, sort of a empty net shit goal, but it was cool to see St. Louis win. I mean, I love, as much as I don't watch hockey, I think the Stanley Cup is the best trophy out of all major sports. It's cool to see people ho hoist that up. You know, it's huge. It's, you know, big silver cup with all the names around it and it's just a perfect trophy and you really can't get any better than that and the way they do it they bring it out these guys wearing white gloves and then they put it on they take the picture all the fireworks around and it was just an amazing night for st louis and i'm glad to see they won uh because like i said nobody wants to see boston win another championship i mean today if they would have won last night that would have been three out of four of their major sports teams win a championship within the last year. Thankfully, the Celtics got skunked out of the playoffs, but if they would have gotten three out of four, or even possibly four out of four, 
I think we'd all just have to sort of bow down to Boston, and we just cannot do that. Like, the Patriots, they've just been winning for years and years and years and years. And, you know, same with the Bruins, same with the Red Sox, and same with the Celtics at times. And it just gets a little tired. And you see that little that little rat kid holding up that sign every single year, the parade sign, and it just gets old after a while. And it's nice to see them lose. It's nice to see their see them get their heart ripped out yeah they did make it to another championship and that's something but still i just i cannot stand boston fans so i'm glad it's over uh i'm glad boston you know has to go away for another wait till september before they can possibly celebrate another championship october i mean possibly celebrate another championship and even then you know it's not looking great for the red sox but like boston usually does and their teams usually do they can turn around on a dime which sucks but we'll see what happens for the rest of that baseball season. But at the end of the day, we are going to have a free summer from Boston fans celebrating their recent championships. Yeah, they had the Patriots, um, but that feels like that was forever ago. So we got some time to just sit back and relax and not have to worry about another parade in Boston. But let's move on now to the other championship going on, the NBA Finals Game 6 tonight. If you're listening to this you know, you probably won't be listening to this in time for Game 6 to be over with. So I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm not going to, you know, like I did in the last show uh, when we were, I think it was last Thursday we were talking about this. I'm not going to make any predictions because I just simply don't know what's going to happen. And I don't want to make a prediction and then you end up listening to it and uh, whatever I said is completely wrong because then I lose credibility and I don't want to do that. So... Tonight's Game 6, like I said, we're going to be watching it in a little bit here. After that dramatic Game 5, the Warriors are either going to come out in two ways, I think. They're either going to come out firing, they're going to rally around this Kevin Durant injury. They're going to come out, you know, looking like champions, looking like that, you know, 73-win team a couple years ago without Kevin Durant. Or they're going to take this Achilles tear with Kevin Durant, and they're going to use it. It's just going to be like a gut punch type of thing. And they're going to you know, not be able to rally from it. And it's just going to be one of those things where you look back 20 years from now and you see that game five, that clip of Kevin Durant tearing his Achilles. You see that Achilles pop. You see the slow motion video of it popping. And that will be on some 30 for 30 about the Warriors dynasty and how it ended. Um, you know, with that pop of that Achilles, it's how it ended. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Warriors still have more talent, I think, than the Raptors. But the Raptors are in the catbird seat. They're in the better position to take this game uh, six and possibly win their first NBA championship, which would be kind of cool. Honestly, you'd have, you know, besides the Patriots, but, you know, it's a new year. Uh, we're just going to put aside the Patriots. It, it would be cool to have, you know, St. Louis Blues won their first title. It'd be cool to have Toronto win their first title. Then maybe in October, the Indians could win their first title. And then um, the year starts over when we get the Packers their first title. So that would be really nice to see, you know, a lot of new champions get a little fresh air, a little, you know, energy going through the building. But at the end of the day, I still believe the Warriors are the more talented team. So I wouldn't be shocked if we end up with a Game 7. I think it would be on Sunday. That's what my prediction would be, but I'm, I'm not sure. I think that's what they're scheduled for. Um, and But by the next time, next time on Tuesday, the next show, we will have a new NBA champion. So we'll be able to break that down. Uh, but yeah, so Kevin Durant, like I said, he did tear his Achilles. That came out um, yesterday. He had surgery on his Achilles. Apparently it went well, and everything's going well with him. Um, 
but like we said, we predicted he did tear his Achilles. Like I think everybody expected it. Uh, but apparently, you know, the Knicks, uh, what was it? The Knicks, Clippers, a couple other teams are still fully interested in Kevin Durant. Uh, while I think his value is going to dip a little bit, he's still going to get, you know, a bunch of offers, a bunch of expensive offers just because of the player he is. Um, or he can decide to pick up his year option with the Warriors for $31.5 million. Which, I mean, at the end of the day, picking up a year option um, would be smart for Kevin Durant. Like I said, uh, I didn't know he had the option on the last show, but I said in the last show it would make sense for him to sign a one-year deal with the Warriors. But it'd be kind of nice to make $31.5 million and you know you don't really have to play in any in any games. You just got to rehab and then if possible, I'm not sure how severe it is. You know, maybe you could come back, you know, late in the playoffs. I still think the Warriors team it depends on what free agency, you know, what happens there. I still think the Warriors team does have enough talent to still make it to the finals. So if you pick up that option, you rehab all year and, you know, somehow some way you're healthy enough to go and play in the NBA Finals, play really well, you know, maybe win it, get a Finals MVP even. Um, it'd be awesome to see that happen. And you'd obviously have a lot more value in free agency the next year. So that would make a lot of sense for him to do that. But I'm not sure where his head is at. If he's, you know, kind of feels like he overstayed his welcome at Golden State, then it would make sense for him to leave. But... I'm not sure where Kevin Durant is right now. I don't believe he made up his mind any any you know point yet in the season. I don't believe he was ever you know fully uh, uh, decided on where he wants to go, where he wants to play next year. I still think it's up in the air, and this Achilles injury throws a wrench into that. Um, you know, I still go to that old adage that once you tear your Achilles, you'll never be the same player again. But we'll see what happens. I mean, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. Uh, this. Like, Kobe tore his Achilles, but Kobe was sort of at the end of his career when he did that. Um, and Kevin Durant, I mean, he's at the top of his, you know, career right now. He's in his prime. He's the best basketball player in the world, in my opinion. And we'll see how he plays when he comes back, but it's going to be interesting to see. So we'll keep watching that. We'll obviously give you updates over the summer as he rehabs. Um, and then Tuesday's show will give you a full breakdown of what happened in the NBA Finals, whether it's a Game 6 or a Game 7. Uh, I'm hoping it's a Game 7 because I don't really want this series to end. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens come Tuesday. As far as NBA goes, we do have a couple other storylines, though, leading into free agency. Kyrie Irving declined his option with the Celtics. Uh, I believe that was pretty much guaranteed. I don't think anybody was really shocked by that. He denied his one-year option. Um... He's done in Boston. I think we all agree with that. I don't think he wanted to play another second in Boston. You kind of kind of could see that in the playoffs. Um, I really believe his experiment in this with the Celtics showed him. I think he got more mature because I think it showed him that it takes a special breed of guys, you know, the Kawhis, the LeBrons, to fully lead a team. And I think Kyrie wanted to try that out. And once he realized how hard it was this year, because, I mean, last year he had the injury. He never really got the lead. Um, once he saw how hard it was, he wanted out. And he wants to be a number two again, I believe. So that's why I fully expect the Lakers to go in on him, and it would make sense for him to sign there. I'm not sure you know, about the Nets or the Knicks. Uh, I think the Knicks situation is obviously different now with Kevin Durant because of Kyrie and Kevin Durant go there, which was you know reported. Um 
Kyrie instantly becomes the number one because, you know, Kevin Durant's out for the rest of the year. So I don't think Kyrie would like that. I believe he wants to be a number two again. I'm not sure where that fits. Out of all the teams that are interested, the Lakers make the most sense. Um, but I'm not sure where he's at. He also fired his agent, and he hired a new agent. Um, so maybe that's something. But you usually don't fire your agent and hire a new agent if you're not you know, sort of gassing up for a big summer where you're, you need an agent that you believe is competent enough to get you what you believe you're worth. So Kyrie's going for it. Uh, I'm not sure where or when um, we're going to start to see some of these updates come down the line here, but uh, not a big shock that he decided to decline his option. And then we have Anthony Davis. Uh, we said it a couple shows ago that they are listening now to trade offers for Anthony Davis, the Pelicans, David Griffin. Uh, the Lakers have reportedly offered, I think it was Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram in the fourth round pick. Fourth overall pick, not fourth round. Um, apparently that deal is a little hung up though. I saw something, I'm not sure if this is true, on uh, the Lakers' uh, inability to want to trade Kyle Kuzman. And I don't. I think the Pelicans want Kuzman, and I don't believe the Lakers want to get rid of him right now. I don't think Rich Paul wants to get rid of Kuzman, which makes sense because I think out of that core, that young core, um, I think Lonzo has the highest ceiling, but I think Kuzman is going to have the best career, if that makes sense. I don't believe Lonzo is going to be able to put it together, stay healthy long enough to really reach his full potential. Um, and I think Kuzman's going to be a problem in this league for the next couple of years, uh, especially down the line. I think he's getting better. I think Brandon Ingram is one of these players where just waiting. He's like a James, he's the Jameis Winston of the NBA. We're waiting for him to reach his potential. Every year it's supposed to be the year he takes the next step, and he just hasn't been able to do it. Granted, he dealt with some injuries this year. You know, He had that blood clot situation, I believe, and uh, we didn't get to see a full year from him. But just the way he is, I just don't think we'll ever fully see the potential that is Brandon Ingram. I mean, he's just he's supposed to put on weight, and he just hasn't yet, and you know that's been a problem. Um, but that fourth overall pick, I mean – you got to believe that's going to be a, you know, the first three, are pro it's probably going to go Zion, John Morant, R.J. Barrett. So you got that fourth overall pick, you know, with Cam Reddish, something like that. I mean, even you could trade that if David Griffin's feeling frisky enough, you could trade that. Um, but you're going to add possibly two um, top five picks in this draft, which would be huge for the Pelicans. And then you add Lonzo, Ingram, and possibly Kuzman. That's a good steal. That's a good haul for the Pelicans. And I think that would sort of rejuvenate the franchise. Obviously, we want to see Zion and Anthony Davis play together, but I just don't believe that's going to happen anymore. Um, I fully believe he'll be a Laker by the end of the month. And uh, I think that's a good thing for the Pelicans. I don't think you want Anthony Davis sticking it out for another year, grinding his teeth, just cringing every single time he steps onto that court. Um, the fans hate him already. I think he's overstayed his welcome, and I think the Anthony Davis era in New Orleans is time to pass, and I think Zion is the future, and I think you need to bring him in, build your organization around him, build your fandom, build your marketing around Zion and this young core, and you know, develop this sort of personality of you know these young kids who are going to go out there and do their best uh i mean you could have if you think about it, you'd have drew holiday lonzo ball brandon ingram julius randall kyle kuzman zion uh 
and then maybe Cam Reddish or a couple other guys. I'm not too big on the NBA draft right now to know who would be the projected fourth overall. Uh, and that's a good, solid core to build from. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Drew Holiday is a very underrated point guard. And I think he could do uh, a good job sort of coaching these young guys up. And I think it would make sense, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but again, I, I fully believe Anthony Davis will be traded by the month, by month's end. And wherever he goes, he's going to make an instant impact. It's going to be a big deal. Um and I think it's going to be the Lakers. If I had to bet, I'd bet it would be the Lakers. And I bet, you know, Lakers end up with Kyrie and Anthony Davis and LeBron. And they go with that, you know, core and try to build from that. But we'll see what happens, obviously, to the NBA. Anything could happen. I mean, there's shocks all around the NBA every single day in the summer. That's why I think NBA free agency is right up there with NFL free agency. Not just because of the moves. It's just like the shocking moves. Like, you never... You could never fully predict, like you could kind of predict the NFL and where players are going to fall in free agency. You cannot predict NBA free agency. I mean, you got one report saying this guy's going here and then next second he goes there. I mean, Paul George to LA is one that sticks out in my mind. I mean, everybody thought he was going to the Lakers. It was going to be a done deal. And then boom, he signs with the Thunder out of nowhere. And it just shocked everybody. But we're going to follow NBA free agency as the summer goes. we got a couple guys lined up in the wings wanting to come on to give us their take and predictions for NBA free agency. So obviously we're going to break it down as soon as the finals end on Tuesday. Um, and we'll give you a full breakdown for the summer because it's going to come hot and it's going to come heavy as soon as those finals are over. Once that, uh, once that legal tampering period hits, uh, we're going to see a lot of big moves, a lot of big names in free agency this year. So it's going to be a fun summer for that. That's it for basketball, though. We're going to move now to some football. But before that, guys, you know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about D's Home Cuts. D's Home Cuts is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. For only $10, D's Home Cuts will provide you with professional-style haircut um, at a cheap and affordable price. The cheapest haircut you'll find, but you'll get the best haircut. Why go spend $40 at a high expensive salon when you can spend 10 and get the same haircut and support a local business, a local young entrepreneur like Dominic Drockton. Guys, we've had Dom on the show time and time again, and let me tell you, he is constantly improving his business every way possible so he can give you the best haircut possible. Go check him out on Instagram at these home cuts. You will not be disappointed. If you have no idea what kind of haircut you'd like, if you just want to trim up, or if you want to just completely change your entire look, trust Dom. He'll give you options. He'll give you opinions to make you look your best and feel your best. It's summer. You know, you want to be looking good for all the ladies at the parties. Go check out these home cuts, and trust me, you will not be disappointed. These home cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. So we have some NFL to talk about today. Let me pull up my talking points here. Um, and we also have off-season review. We're going to do the Saints. We're going to finish up the Saints. Um, and there's nothing really going on here. But let's talk about this one thing that's going on on Twitter right now. Uh, there was... A tweet posted this morning, actually. That's why I want to get into this uh, pretty quickly because it was actually really interesting. And uh, it's one of those things that Twitter is just going to dive into the next couple of days. Uh, and we got to figure it out. And it's something that I think you 
our listeners here could help us figure out. It's something that everybody's just trying to figure out. Chris Collinsworth is in on it. Uh, and it was a tweet posted today. Let me pull it up. It was a tweet by some guy. Let me see if I can find his handle so I can give him credit here. Um, where is this at? Uh, shoot. Hold on a second. It was a cryptic riddle, if you could sum it up in one sentence. Uh, where is it at? There it is. So this is at Nads Not Nerbs. Um, he posted this tweet. He said that his coworker left behind this little note card in his office uh, before he retired. And this note card has about, I'd say, 40, maybe yeah, 40 to 50 names on it of quarterbacks. And it goes from, you know, Mark Sanchez to Josh Freeman to Tom Brady to Matt Ryan to Joe Flacco to some even smaller names like Tyler Paco um, or uh, where's where's the one I was laughing at? Um, Matt Schwab. So there's a ton of names on here. And by these names, no Aaron Rodgers, by the way, no Aaron Rodgers and no RG3. Um, on this list, there are tally marks next to each quarterback like you look like tony romo has four tally marks kirk cousins has one tyler paco has one um philip rivers has the most with five uh cam newton has four uh tom brady and tim tebow both have one as well as vince young i mean it's just a lot of young a lot of old-timey you know childhood quarterbacks that we all remember and there's no title on it there's no there's nothing on it it's just a bunch of quarterback names and a bunch of little tally marks. And people are trying to figure this out. And it's funny when you put NFL fans to a test of stats and their skills and knowledge. Um, I mean, it's blowing up right now. It's all over. And if you read the comments, it's everything. Um, and uh, it's like all these little conspiracy theories about what this could possibly be. And it's all over, you know, right now. I mean, the funniest one I heard was some guy said it's touchdowns from week 14 from 2011 to 2013, which everyone was starting to talk about until um, they realized that Aaron Rodgers isn't on that list. And it doesn't work. Um, and it doesn't work because Aaron Rodgers threw a touchdown from, 24, from 2011 to 2015 in week 14. So it doesn't make any sense. People are still trying to figure it out. I thought it would be something like a sack list or something like that, like somebody's sack or maybe interception list. Uh, so I started to look at some other guys, like you know maybe Julius Peppers, because no Aaron Rodgers and no RG3 leads me to believe that whoever is, you know, whatever this list is about, it's got to be somebody with the Packers or something like that or the Redskins. Um, so it's it's a quish, it's an interesting question here. I mean, you got quarterbacks who played, you know, in, from 2011 to 2015, all these wide range of guys. I mean, I haven't heard Tyler Paco, Paco's name in a long time, and I only think he started a handful of games. So I think that's where you got to start Tyler Paco and work your way up because you go with the smallest sample size, and uh, it just makes – no sense. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this right now. I'm still trying to figure it out. And people are just like taking their whole day. It's one of those things that once you put football fans on something like this, once you sit them down and say, okay, figure out what this means, they will dive deep into the pages of Google trying to figure out where 
This is, we'll try to crack this riddle. And it's just, that's what sports fans do. That's what football fans do. We try to figure this out. We work together and we try to, we, we get rid of theories and we're going to bring them up. And I, I widely, I know in my heart of hearts, this riddle is going to be solved by the end of the day, maybe even by five o'clock today. And we'll give you, we'll, we posted it on our Twitter and we're going to uh, post the update when it is solved. Um, so go ahead and put your opinions under our tweet. Uh, give us your best opinion about what you think this is because this is probably one of the hardest riddles I've ever had to crack in my young time on earth and my even younger time as a podcaster. So go ahead and check that out on our page. Um, now we're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints. We have the free agency offseason breakdown for the New Orleans Saints uh, last year. Let's talk about last year. 13-3, another amazing year after you know, a good year last year. They followed up you know, that terrible heartbreak last year or two years ago with uh, Stefan Diggs. They followed it up with almost even a worse heartbreak uh, in the playoffs this year. But we're not going to talk about the playoffs right now. They went 13-3 and last year. They had a great season. They had a, a prolific offense. You know, Kamara did his thing. Michael Thomas did his thing, earning first-team All-Pro. Drew Brees, old-age Drew Brees, did his thing. Uh, Second-team All-Pro. I mean, this team is filled with All-Pros. I mean, Ryan Ramchak, their right tackle, All-Pro second team. Taron Armstead, All-Pro, left tackle, second team. I mean, good on the list. Cameron Jordan, All-Pro, second team. Uh, like I said, they have a lot of good players on this team. They have a very good young core. And that led them to the playoffs. That even led them to the NFC Championship game where they played the Rams. And followed up with probably the most controversial call of the NFL season. Probably the most controversial call uh, since the Des Bryant catch versus the Packers a couple years ago. And Saints fans were pissed, and they felt they felt like the refs cost them a chance at the Super Bowl, and they cried and they bitched and moaned so much that the NFL had to change their entire rules, and it's just it was a very scary set. Like I said, when you talk about the power of NFL fans, like I did with that cryptic note, NFL fans when pissed can do almost anything, and they changed an entire rule in the NFL. It's going to affect teams for years to come. Um, so yeah, thirteen and three last year. Now you look at their off season, and I think you know they sort of lost more than they gained, in my opinion. I'm just looking down the list here. We'll go through this together. Let's start with their the people who they lost. So they lost Mark Ingram, which I think is the biggest loss of them all. I mean, they lost a guy who was their last couple of years, somebody who was. Uh, the heart and soul of that offense the last couple of years, somebody who helped bring Alvin Kamara to what he is. He was that tandem to Alvin Kamara, and now Alvin Kamara is going to have to step up. They did replace him with Latavius Murray. We'll see how he does in that second back role. It's going to be interesting to see. They lost their starting center, Max Unger, somebody who was a pro bowler, retired kind of early at the age of 33, um, but came over from the Seahawks in that Jimmy Graham trade, and he helped to hold down that center position for the last couple of years. Uh, so that was kind of a loss for them. And they replaced that with Nick Easton, a uh, center from, I think, Minnesota last year. He's going to possibly get the start this year at center. Um, but other than that, they didn't do much on the offensive line because their offensive line is pretty good. It's decent enough that you don't have to you know, really fix a ton. Um, but let's start with their defense. Let's go back to their core 
They got, you know, a pretty basic core right now. A lot of a lot of young pieces. You know, a lot of first round talent pieces. Marshawn Lattimore, Eli Apple, two Ohio State guys. Then their safety positions. You know, Marcus Williams and Von Bell. Uh, Von Bell, Ohio State guys. So three out of four Ohio State guys. And this is a good, solid young core. Um, Lattimore sort of took a step down after his fantastic rookie season. It wasn't a complete, you know, step down, but it wasn't as good as he was. Um, Eli Apple came over in a trade from the Giants, and he actually performed pretty well for them. So you got to give him credit. Uh, he's got a lot of talent to step up and be, you know, a franchise caliber corner if he just sort of puts it together off the field and mentally he gets there. Um, as far as their defensive line goes, they just signed Cameron Jordan to a big deal, uh, an extension. He's played when he, he got drafted in the first round, 2011, by the Saints, and he has played in every single game since then. And he's just been a straight up piece on that offense, and he's been a great addition for them. And he's been playing well. They also signed uh, Malcolm Brown from the Patriots. He was a first round pick a couple years ago, I think 32 overall. Um, that was a big deal. They also signed Mario Edwards from, I think, Oakland. No, he played for the Giants last year, but he played for Oakland, and he got traded to the Giants. Um, he was a good piece, good rotational piece in that defensive line, uh, so that's going to help them out. As far as everything else goes, I think their biggest addition was Jared Cook, the Pro Bowl tight end from the Raiders. Um Top five tight end in the league. He replaces Benjamin Watson, who retired and then went to the Patriots, but it's a huge get for them. I mean, I think Jared Cook is a very athletic stretch tight end. It's going to stretch the field for them, and that's a good pickup for them. Um, but other than that, I mean, this wide receiver core didn't get much better. They had the experiment with Des Bryant. They decided not to re-up with him after he tore his Achilles. Uh, they had sort of a little bit of drama with Teddy Bridgewater, but they were able to bring him back. Um, but as far as this team goes, let me look up their get their draft class for you. Um, 2019. One second, folks. Saints draft. Draft class. I can't remember who they took first round. Um, well, I was pulling up. My Wi-Fi's slow. But anyways, like I said, the Saints... They had a pretty decent offseason. It was kind of quiet, but you don't oh shit. You don't need to fix a lot when you get to the NFC Championship game. Pretty much almost got to the Super Bowl. If it, there was a couple calls that could have went their way, they would have gotten to the Super Bowl. Um, it's loading. Like I said, my Wi-Fi is slow. Uh, try to get up the Saints draft. Here we go. All right, so the Saints, they, they didn't have first-round pick. We all know that. Um, but they took Eric McCoy. With uh, the second round, 48 overall, he was he's going to be that center. I think they took Nick Easton, they signed him, but Eric McCoy is the future center, I guess you could say. He's going to be a big uh, piece for them. They took Chancey Gardner Johnson, CGJ, uh, somebody I really wanted the Packers to get. Played for Florida. He's a safety. Uh, he's athletic. He can do pretty much anything you ask him to. They took him with the fourth round overall pick, fourth round pick at 105. He's fast. He's physical. I wanted the Packers to get him in the first round. I'm surprised he fell. I'm not sure why he fell, um, but he was he's a good pickup for them, and I think he's going to make an impact. I think that was a good pick in the fourth round. Um, let me see if there's anybody else who's sort of notable. Because I mean, they took a lot of guys, but I'm not just gonna I'm not gonna tell you guys I don't know. 
but yeah, that's pretty much it for the Saints. So I mean, the two key players they took are Eric McCoy. He's going to fill in in that center position, hopefully, and then um, Chancy Gardner Johnson, who could possibly be a starting safety. I think he'd replace Von Bell. I mean, and you have a pretty good young core there. And at the end of the day, you still have Alan Kamara, who's a top five, top ten running back. You have Michael Thomas, who's a top three wide receiver. Jared Cook's a top five tight end. I mean, you're not really begging for talent on this team. I mean, what Sean Payton's been able to do with the weapons he has has been amazing. He's easily a top five coach in the NFL, maybe even top three, I'd give him. Um, so it's going to be a good year for the Saints. Probably... I'm, I mean, I keep expecting Drew Brees to sort of slide, but he's getting into that Tom Brady range where he just doesn't slide. Um, so I still think the Saints are going to be good this year. Maybe not 13-3 and good. I mean, I'd say 12-4 and right there. I think they'll win that division. I think they'll go to the playoffs. I still think they're going to be a good team. I mean, it's going to be that, that offense. If uh, Latavius Murray, who he, I mean, we've seen he flashes from him, if he can provide a little bit, close to what Mark Ingram provided for them the last couple years. And then you have Jared Cook who could give them, if he could give them, you know, all pro, pro bowl caliber type of talent at the tight end position, this offense could be the best offense in the league. I mean, they got to have a little bit of a step up at that wide receiver core. Ted Ginn, I mean, he is what he is. Um, he's a deep threat, has questionable hands at times, but they they should have added some weapons at the wide receiver position in the offseason, but they didn't. I think that's the one position that they're lacking in right now is um, wide receiver outside of Michael Thomas. Uh, but Michael Thomas is still going to get his catches. But I'm going to say 12-4 and four, um, for the Saints. They're going to win that division. This may be a decline year for Drew Brees. We'll have to see. He's shown no signs of slowing down. Um, so it's going to be a good year for the Saints. It's going to be a good fun off good fun training camp for the Saints because I know Saints fans are trying to get back onto that field and get some redemption from what they had a couple years ago uh, I mean a couple months ago in uh, New Orleans versus the Rams so go ahead and that is our recap of the NFC South we're gonna move now what we do we did West South uh, we'll go around the board we'll do East next week we'll go with uh, the Cowboys I believe, yeah, we'll do Cowboys next week, next Tuesday, and then we'll do um, Redskins, Giants, and Eagles for, uh, going forward. So that's our offseason review for the NFC South. Let's move on now to some baseball. It's Thursday, so you know what we got to do. We got to do our standings update um, for you. Let me pull them up right now. See, my problem is is I, I get uh, – all the stuff pulled up beforehand on my phone, all the standings and stuff. And then I like just out of habit, I just close out of it really quickly, which is um, frustrating. But I have it up right now. AL East. We'll start with the AL. Yankees have that lead in that division by half a game with the Rays. Um, Boston's making a little bit of a climb. They're still at that, that number three spot. Um, but not much movement this week for that division. The Yankees are still in first place. Then we'll go to the NL AL Central. Twins are still in first place by ten and a half games. They have that division, you know, um, sort of in a chokehold right now. The Indians are desperately trying to climb, but you know they went six and four last week for the Indians. I mean that's a good week for them, but the Twins also went six and four, so there's not much movement there um, for them. Then the AL West, uh, Astros 
still leading that division by nine games. The Rangers, they're sort of making a push. I mean, it's at nine games right now. They've had a good week, went six and four, uh, but the Astros went seven and three, so it doesn't make any difference in the last ten. Uh, then we have the Braves in the NL East. They're leading that division probably. Um, one of the closest, if not the closest division in baseball right now. Um, Braves are leading that by one game with the Phillies in second place. I mean, as much shit as you want to talk about the Mets, Mets are only five and a half games out of first place right now. So it's not crazy for them. I mean, the Braves had a fantastic week. They've won six straight. They went eight and two in their last ten. Um, so watch that division. So there might be some changes going there, but Braves are holding it down for right now. Then we have the NL Central, which is easily the second closest, if not the closest, division race. Uh, Brewers are leading that division by a half a game with the Cubs. Cubs signed Kimbrel, though, so it's game on right there. Um, both of them went 7-3 and three in their last 10, uh, so it's going to be a quick and hot division race, especially when the Cubs get Kimbrel uh, up there. And then you have the Cardinals in third place at only five games, so could be some movement there. Then we have the NL West, which hasn't been much changed this season so far. Dodgers are still leading that by nine and a half games with the Rockies in second. Um, not much change in that division this week or even all season. So make sure you watch for that. I don't believe that's going to change that much. I don't believe the standings are going to change that much. Um, but, you know, we're getting to the trade deadline. I mean, All-Star break is kind of close. I mean, it's, what is it, three weeks away, three, four weeks away. And the trade deadline's even closer. Um... And we're going to see, you know, where teams believe they are. If teams believe they're, you know, position to win and position to go for it all, they'll start to buy or obviously they'll start to sell off pieces. I'm not sure. I mean, let me look at the teams here. I'm trying to figure out. I mean, we'll do something where we'll give you who we think is going to be sellers and buyers at the deadline. But if just looking at it right now, I mean, I'm trying to see if there's any teams that would just completely blow it up. And, I mean, the only team... I think sort of fits into that category would be the Diamondbacks or the Rockies. I mean, I think the Rockies, if they believe they're out of it, they could easily blow it up. They've had this core for the last couple of years, and you know this core performs well, and they have a lot of good players, but they could easily just blow it up in a second. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, last story out of baseball, David Ortiz, like we said, he's back in Boston. He's recovering well. He can sit up now. He's doing well in the hospital. Um I guess they said that the guy who shot him was paid like $8,000 in U.S. money to shoot him. Uh, and it was like a big plot. And they arrested like eight guys to, you know, who were in on that crime. And it's like, who, why would you want to shoot David Ortiz for only, I mean, eight grand is not crazy money. Especially when you're putting your life on the line, honestly, to shoot one of the biggest superstars. And to shoot somebody who's well-liked among everybody. And has done so much for the Dominican Republic. I don't know why you would take money to do that. I don't think I don't know why people are plotting assassination plots uh, versus David Ortiz. But it wasn't a robbery. If you're getting paid to do something like that, you're not trying to rob him. You're trying to commit some serious damage. And you know I'm glad he failed. I think we're all glad he failed. And you know David Ortiz. I know David Ortiz. He's just going to come back stronger from this and be you know an absolute tank and take this like a champ. So. Prayers are still out to David Ortiz and his family, but it sounds like he is on the right track. Um, but that's it for our show today. We want to thank you to our sponsor, D Home D's Home Cuts. Um, follow us on Twitter at TND Sports Talk One Two. I am posting more on Twitter. That has been my goal for the week, and I'm trying to keep that into a habit. I'm trying to keep it, you know, 
uh, a couple tweets a day just to keep that Twitter active outside of, you know, what we're talking about and stuff like that um, and guests, all that stuff. Send us questions, comments, concerns, stuff you liked, stuff you didn't like in the DMs. Our DMs are always open. Give us a follow. We will obviously send you a follow back right away. I'm pretty quick with that. Um, and then send us a DM if you want to be a guest on the show. We actually had somebody slide to our DMs a couple days ago, asked to be a guest, and we should be getting him on within the next couple of weeks here. So watch out for that. If you have any interest in the show, um, tell us what you like, what you didn't like. Our DMs are where we where you can reach us. We also have an email, but DMs are probably the easiest way for you to, to reach us. Um, but follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, rate, review, subscribe. Wherever you listen, follow us and give us uh, a good rating and a good comment. Because so it helps us show out a lot. But other than that, though, have a great day. Tune in on um, Tuesday. Uh, where we should have a full breakdown for the NBA Finals and what went on there and everything else that happened over the uh, weekend. So other than that, though, have a great day. Watch some NBA Finals. It's going to be a great game tonight. It probably is a great game if you're already listening to this on Friday. Um, But make sure you tune in, and we'll see you back here on Tuesday. Thanks, guys.